Welcome everyone, this is All About Windows Phone Insight Podcast 167. We're recording this on Thursday, the 21st of January 2016. I'm Steve Litchfield with a bit of a cold, so apologies for some muted vowels, but I do have with me Rafe Blanford, hopefully in good health. Yes, uh, hello everybody, I'm in good health, so I'm sending sympathetic vibes Steve's way. Um, I would say that I'll do more of the talking, but that's not going to really surprise anybody uh, if I say that. <laughs> uh, but we'll be keeping to about 35 minutes or so this week. We're kind of trying to get back onto our weekly reg- regular schedule, although we're both this week and last week we're a bit late. So apologies if you're used to listening to the podcast on a Wednesday, just getting it a bit later in the week instead. Yeah. Um, now, before I ask you about your, your 950XL, Rafe, just to mention that uh, I'm, we've been talking about different firmware builds and for the release devices and also for the people on the Insiders devices. Um, I've got a question for you, Rafe. Now, build, this is going to sound a bit technical, a bit nerdy, but build 10586, build 29, was the was apparently going to be the one that's going to be rolled out over the air to existing devices. That's the word on, on the street. Whether that's right or not, we shall see. But since then, there have been at least three builds for insiders, each fixing a load of bugs. And build 63, which I've been enjoying on several devices here, is, is really quite impressive. Um, so my, my, I've got a bit of a theory, Rafe, that people, I'd expect as a geek, that the them to use the very latest build, latest possible build, to use that one with all the bug fixes to roll out to existing devices, knowing that it's got all these problems fixed. And yet, presumably, there must be timescales and testing and stages they need to go through, approvals within Microsoft they need to, to sign off before they can do something as massive as push software onto end-users' devices. Do you think that's about right, that, that, that this rumour that t- Build 29, from what a month and a half ago may actually be the one that they're going to have to push out and then update from there. It all seems very disappointing as an uber geek who wants the very latest and greatest fixes, but uh, maybe these things just take time. Well, frankly, yes, it is disappointing, especially when you perceive that software to be more stable. But I think in fairness, this is really about risk management in that they know what the problems might be with something like uh, the the 29 release. 36 and 63 uh, have been less widely tested. They've been part of that insider program. And so you can't actually be certain, and particularly when you're rolling out to existing devices, kind of the testing requirements and the certification are, I, I would argue, more onerous simply because you're going onto a bunch of wild devices in varying configurations. So in one sense, you've got far less control than when you're rolling it out with, say, a new device, which is what's happened before. And so you're right, it really is about timelines here. And so that testing process for the existing devices will have started you know, probably six weeks ago and, and more. And the kind of the risk involved in introducing new bugs, even if you have fixed kind of software bugs, it, it is still going to be there. And so although it doesn't seem to make a lot of sense, you know, can't you just write this software? Actually, the testing has been done on that older software. And that's where you know there may be mistakes, um, but there will also be a certainty around how stable it is on those particular devices to which it's being updated to. So it, in one sense, you're right, it is a bit crazy, but I think this is just a reflection of uh, testing timelines. There's also a certain amount of uh, certification involved. And you can imagine if the process takes, you know, four to six weeks to do that testing instead of certification, whatever else is required, and we know that it's a relatively complex process, 
if you restarted it every time there was a new release they would never actually get that release out and so <laughs> indeed <laughs> it, what, what will happen is that it will roll out and i wouldn't be at all surprised if there's a fairly rapid over the air update as indeed we've seen with some of the uh, retail devices um, the new retail devices like the 950 and 950 xl even those that aren't on the insider program um so it, there's probably almost another team or another testing program going on for these newer releases, if you will. And yeah. I, I would imagine actually it won't be such a, a long time lag before, before they come out. But yeah, it, it's inevitable. I mean, in one sense, because of the insider program, we've got a much clearer view into the internal software releases, if you will. Before you would have sort of just had to put up with it and maybe got a bit grumpy that the Windows 10 mobile felt like beta software for even when it was kind of in its final release form. But of course, this way, I would argue it's better because you do get access to the more recent builds. And I don't know about you, Steve, but um, with 36 and particularly 63, it does feel like you know, we've talked about the being on 95% and then 99%. It, it's gradually edging up, maybe still some some work to do, some inexplicable things, but uh, in day-to-day usage, it's, it's felt better. I mean, it's a t- totally subjective judgment that, um, and I think perhaps I've been using it less intensively than when I was on the road, so it may not be entirely reasonable, but be curious to see if you've had that same kind of experience. Yes, I mean, I, I think I was a bit harsh on Windows 10 Mobile calling. I think I quoted 95% before <laughs> Christmas. Um, I, I still don't think it's 100. You, you never get to 100 with any operating system, of course. And it, We've seen today uh, Apple rolled out a new version of iOS, um, fixing some a bug that's been a fairly serious security hole that's been around for two and a half years. So these things, they never get to 100%. I would argue that Build 63 is a, it's been far more impressive in terms of performance and stability than any of the previous builds. They're obviously they are getting there. Maybe we are up to 98 98 and a half or something i did notice and i don't report on the site on every last update to every application it would just get very tiresome um you have to to change the name of the site i know it's all about windows phone but uh, we're not it's not literally all we're not going to do every single update but there have (laughs) been some fairly major improvements to outlook mail and calendar to messaging and skype which are now of course integrated and that that came out about an hour before this podcast was recorded so do go and check your windows 10 mobile devices for that i've been noticing that the existing um messaging client just occasionally gets his knickers in a twist and just you get a blank screen and then you have to wait around for 20 seconds while it sorts itself out hopefully that's now fixed and it does seem to be rather nippier and of course that makes skype nippier as well in terms yeah. of skype instant messaging um improvements also to weather to or calculator which is rather ironic really the number of updates calculator has got in the last three months who wants an update to calculate it bring us the web browser and so forth and extensions to the edge browser but and and a, a netflix client which is fully universal and uh, uh youtube clients which which can dismiss their virtual windows controls all of these things we want but i think they are getting there and they've been a very veritable um, smorgasbord of, uh, of tasty updates over the last two weeks. So do, do check the store for updates. I think there's, they're running at about uh, two or three core apps a day at the moment, which is quite impressive. Yeah, it's always always worth checking those updates. And you mentioned uh, messaging and Skype back there. I just wanted to sort of give a mention to the Skype integration, which I was sort of a bit blasé about when first heard about it, first tried it out. But it's one of those things that's turned out to be really useful in the real world. I think this entirely depends on how much you use uh, Skype. But uh, I use it within the family and with some friends 
maybe not as much as something like WhatsApp, but having it all integrated into Messaging Client has been very useful. And certainly I use Skype on my phone more as a result. I mean, that was partly a reflection of the performance and time taken to load up Skype as a, a separate application, but it's nice to have it integrated. And it does rather make me hanker after having all the over-the-top services integrated into one thing. I mean, that's difficult to achieve because, of course, they all have different functionality, but we've become quite used to having to navigate between text messaging, between Skype, WhatsApp, Facebook Messenger. But I do remember the good old days where everything used to run in your SMS inbox and sort of uh, wish it was still like that, despite all the other advantages of the over-the-top messaging services. But yeah, um, so credit to Microsoft for actually sort of doing something that, that worked well. And it was always one of the things I liked about Windows was that integration. I mean, back in the Windows 7.5 in eight days, it was more around the people up and that social integration. But you can see that vision. Uh, it, it's hard to pull off. But I mean, I'm in the fortunate position where it actually works pretty well for me because between uh, Skype and SMS, it's a lot of the family stuff and then WhatsApp and Facebook Messenger for, for sort of the friend, circle of friends and uh, work acquaintances. Yeah, yeah. The um, rumour has it that the uh, official rollout of Windows 10 Mobile to devices like the Lumia 640, 735, 830 and 930 has been delayed again. But as many people have commented, and I think we've mentioned on this podcast more than once, Anyone who actually is desperate to get their hands on Windows 10 Mobile has it through the Insiders program. And for the rest of the, the rest of the, the populace who are using Windows phones, the later the better, really, because it means more bugs to be fixed will be fixed by the time it eventually does come out. So there really isn't any hurry. For once in, in my entire smartphone uh, journalist lifestyle, Rafe, over the last decade, for once I'm not champing at the bit to get an update um, because we've. Or anybody who wants it already has it effectively in fact we've gone beyond it we're on a build later than the build that they're going to get so yeah well as i said i think yeah. you really have to give credit to microsoft for this insider program i mean obviously previews are getting made available on other platforms but this kind of constant in-place updates isn't something you really see anywhere else particularly on some of the bits of the you know, the beta or even alpha software and i think it addresses this whole problem around you know when do you get the updates very well because the people who really care about it as you say will use it and i would say that um for those sort of who might have been hesitating because it's not the final release it's not like the early days of the insider program where it really did feel like an alpha version and wasn't very usable now it is a way to get the cutting edge and get the latest of course it's never entirely risk-free but um, I would say it's a lot more accessible to a great number of people. So contrary to the advice back in October, November last year, absolutely, I would say if you're you know, at all interested in, in having the latest version, it's worth going on to the Insiders program now. Yeah, there are a few minor omissions, but you have to be a real power user to spot them. Um, things like double tap to wake, people may say, well, why hasn't that made it to the latest devices? I suspect the hardware supports it. It's just a question of they're trying to optimise battery life, and that will make a reappearance at some point. Um is that something you'd miss, double tap to wake, given given that you've otherwise got to press the side of the, the phone? I, I've missed it on the 950XL because it's such a big device. Yeah. And uh, it was something I sort of fairly regularly used on, on the larger devices. I don't really use it on the device I can use one-handed because my hand just naturally ends up on the lock-unlock button or the power button. Um, so yes, it's something I hope hope comes back. And I know it's one of those features, I, th I think it's a bit like Marmite, you either love it or you hate it. Um, and there's something quite nice about when it's sitting on the desk, just being able to double tap on it to, to get the unlock rather than having to fiddle about with the side buttons. So yeah, no, that's the sort of thing that needs to come back. But as you say, some of those are very hardware specific. I mean, it's like some of the features um, in the camera or elsewhere on the 
on the glance screen. Sometimes, yeah. you know, different devices have a different set of capabilities. So it's not surprising when you're on something like the Insiders program or any kind of beta that's, you know, generic to several devices, those things do get, get dropped. So you're right. There are things you have to have to look yeah. out for. Yeah, I, I mainly meant actually showed the, the shipping retail devices, the 950, 950XL. There's also, um, for example, Dolby Digital Capture, so, uh, audio captures miss- missing in the camera, the video module. I'm assuming that, again, will get sorted out once they've sorted out licensing and once they've finished writing the code. <laughs> so I th- I'm sure that will appear. Um, also, um, the super sensitivity to touch, so you can use the, uh, the touch through gloves, which is something we've been used to on Lumia's for a couple of years now. That's been, well, that's certainly not present on my 950 here, Rafe, and I suspect, again, that's something with the hardware does support, but then maybe they'll need a, a sort of MDG2 firmware update um, or maybe a, an update to the 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 touch module in, within the OS before that reappears. All these things, I think they are actually supported in the hardware. They just need to be enabled in the software. I think that will come in time. Yeah, it's interesting. I don't remember that one in the specification sheet. Um, and it's it's been pretty cold in the UK for the last 10 days. And it's actually something I have missed when trying to use the device. Um, so uh, we'll, we'll check that one out and report back in a future podcast. Yeah, who knows exactly what's under the hood. They, there was a whole hoo-ha about the FM tune. Apparently, the, the Snapdragon 808 inside the Lumia 950 does support, uh, has got the, the physical hardware for the, the electronics for an FM tuner, but it's not all hooked up in the software in terms of drivers. And, and the, the, the clever money said that Microsoft tested it, and with the Lumia 950's hardware, they weren't satisfied with the, the performance, presumably in terms of reception, and therefore it was disabled in software, which seems a bit of a shame. But uh, again, if it's, if, it's, if it's supported in the hardware, who knows? Maybe that can be retro-enabled in a future update. Yeah, we've certainly seen it in past phones where it's, there's the FM hardware there, but it's not connected to the right bit of the area. And quite often that's done by doing it to the case or something like that. And obviously with the all plastic casing on, on the 950 and the 950XL, that becomes trickier to pull off that, that trick. So uh, if I, if I was a betting man, I would say it probably won't come back something like the FM radio, but of course um, it, it depends on the market first for some markets. That's yeah. still a key feature. And I can remember talking to some of the uh, kind of product engineers and the product managers saying, yeah, no, we have to have that even though it's not used much in say the UK where people obviously tend to prefer the streaming music services or even the streaming radio services. But of course, where you don't have a data connection or a reliable 3G data connection, actually FM radio can be a great way to get kind of audio off the device. Yeah, it'd be great, interesting to hear from people with the 950, for example, in far off parts of the world where FM radio on phones is more of a thing and whether though that their units sold in their country do have this enabled. I'd be fascinated. Yeah. That'd be just the sort of thing that would happen given the hoo-ha about uh, um, Qi and power mat wireless charging <laughs> and with the Lumia. Was it the uh, the Icon? Oh, no, the 830, that's right. And the 830, 830 supports both. Was it the Icon that only supports power mat? It, it was, uh, they switched off the, the compatibility with Qi. I, I don't remember the exact way round it was, but yes. Right. <laughs> you know, and of course now the chipsets have come in and quite widely used that support both standards which is obviously great um, yeah. to that advantage because cheese seems to have been fairly well established in europe and asia and the kind of power mat, it, it's not not exclusive us because they tend to have both but certainly uh, th- i think it was backed by at&t as an operator and so they kind of mandated it on their devices so the icon had that but not support for for chi and as i say now it, it tends not to be a problem because the uh the chipsets will support both, and I suspect going forward that will be fairly common in most devices that do have wireless charging capability. 
if I sound rather vague about the icon, it's because I've never physically held one. Of course, it was only ever released in by Verizon in the uh, in the states. Indeed. Um, yes. So there we are. So, um, having mentioned the word hoo ha or phrase hoo ha twice in this podcast already, I'm going to mention it a third time because there was another hoo ha um, about the removal removal of bracketing from the Windows 10 camera application. Now, people noticed, eagle-eyed uh, listeners and readers that we have, Rafe, um, that on the menu in Lumia Camera 5, which we've had on the Lum- on Lumia 930 and 1520 and so forth, um, there's been this kind of remnant left over from Nokia ProCam, and then that became Lumia Camera 4, etc., etc., um, whereby it would actually go into a, you could select bracketing, bracketed shots, so three shots or five shots, and the range of exposures, and then you confirm it, and then the next photograph you took would be taken with those settings. And it's kind of been left out of the way on the menu, completely separate from the main, you know, smart toolbar that, that pops up and swipes out from on the top, and you can go to intelligent mode or manual mode and so forth. Um, so, uh, the, it was just, just, just described by a Microsoft representative as a bug farm, and quite rightly, because it's a totally totally different UI, a totally different set of functions that kind of overlap rather horribly with rich capture. I appreciate bracketing is different to rich capture, but they do at least overlap. So Microsoft basically removed it um, just to simplify the code and to make the application more resilient. What um, many people suggested in the comments, and whether, whether you think this is a, a, a clever move, what they should have actually have done is just said, okay, well, we'll disable that that menu um, that menu function bracketing if the user is in the standard auto mode. If the user is in this manual mode, you know, with all those concentric rings of the interface, the, the user is explicitly changing some really detailed settings within Windows 10 Camera, then they probably know enough that they don't, they're not going to bother with rich capture. They're going to, if they, if they want bracketing, they'll do bracketing right and they'll select it from the menu and then therefore it should appear. So that, that's the, after a very long involved 200 comment thread and a fair amount of debate on both sides, backwards and forwards, we kind of ended up with this compromise whereby bracketing should have been left in, but only in pro mode. Does that make sense? It, I mean, I guess I'd be sympathetic to that. It kind of amazed me that there was such a deep discussion about this and people coming back onto the comment thread. And actually, thank you for doing so, because it's always really insightful. Because uh, speaking personally, I use bracketing probably just a handful of times. And now, obviously, with the uh, rich capture, I don't feel the need to do so, because in essence, I get kind of that HDR benefits of you know multiple different exposures and as the bonus, I don't actually have to fiddle about with doing anything to them. It just happens. Um, but nonetheless, I can be sympathetic because I think a lot of people have picked up the Nokia and the Microsoft phones have done so because they like having uh, complete control over the camera. And actually, they've always, all the Lumia cameras have been good because of that. Um, so the only problem with kind of having these caveats where it appears at some place and doesn't, is that entirely consistent with the rest of the UI, which is kind of one of the comments that was originally made by some of the Microsoft product managers? I, I'm not sure it is. It, it is a nice way of kind of hiding the complexity. And, you know, there's been constant back and forth on the camera. You know, do you have a pro mode and then a, a basic mode? Do you have two separate applications? And I've always said it's better to have a single application where possible you have self-disclosing UI. And it, in the end, you probably have to design for the 99% of people. And uh, so, yeah, I, I think it's probably a good compromise uh, to keep a, keep the, the pros happy. But is it going to happen? I, I doubt it. Yeah, I think I'd agree. Um, from what the Microsoft ch- chap said on Facebook, 
it was it was removed because it was causing all sorts of UI problems and, and bug, bugs. And I, I suspect it may actually come back back into fashion actually as an extra toggle on that rich capture. I, we've already had confirmation from Yuha that the what he called Force HDR is coming to Windows 10 Camera relatively soon. Um, by which he means it'll go on the 950-950XL. You'll be able to go from off, rich capture off, rich capture automatic, or rich capture forced on. Um, and it, it's not a million miles to go from that to have a fourth option, uh, rich capture bracketed, at which point it's using the settings you've set up in the settings to, to and using those for, to, to compile bracketed shots. But everything kind of gets more complicated. And right now, the last thing Microsoft needs is extra complication. So my bet would be this this force HDR will come through through for rich, rich capture will come on through to all the devices and to the insiders and to the 950, 950XL, but that we shouldn't expect the return of bracketing anytime soon. Um, yeah. Certainly petition you, Har, if you really, really want it. <laughs> and the nice thing about Force HDR, I mean, you talked about this on a previous podcast, but it does solve the problem where the intelligence of the camera doesn't get it quite right, where it's, uh, as you put it, it doesn't do a rich capture, and so you can't fiddle with it afterwards, and you find yourself wishing you could. Um, I'm sure there'll be some people who will be quite happy to kind of give up the space involved in having rich capture on all the time and so yeah I just it's great to know that the uh, camera teams are still listening to the feedback from the users of the devices and so that's one i actually personally look forward to seeing because i've had a couple of occasions where i've sort of gone i really want this to be a rich capture shot and i don't know whether it is going to be or not and it's a bit fiddly yeah. to take one and then have to check and all of that so yeah it's a it's a, a thumbs up from me on that front yeah, he did say that my feedback was rather welcome in helping him push the future forward. So I'm assuming that it was. It does pay sometimes to complain, and people shouldn't um, uh, rule out actually tweeting Yuha and his team on on Twitter. Many people have got his Twitter handle. Just send him your petition, send him your requests, send him your feedback. It all does get used in his various product meetings, and he can say, "Well, we've had." 15 people or 500 people ask this feature. We, you know, it's fairly easy to do. Let's do it. And of course, he can then implement it and get the funding and the, the, the timescales all work out. So do watch for that. And, I, uh, yeah, yeah I, I would urge people when doing that, obviously, uh, be polite and uh, the team. Yeah. So don't, don't always have time to get back to you individually. But I do know from having spoken to them in the past, they read almost all the feedback they get and it's actually collated um, and they're sort of effectively it all goes into a spreadsheets and stats are made of it so they really do listen and it has driven the uh, development of the product over the years so it's they've always been one of the most user-centric teams if you will and very responsive and they recognize that people um, who use it regularly you know do talk about it and there's actually quite a few uh, blogs out there specializing in the kind of smartphone cameras and i know they're read avidly because of course uh, they're all regular users as well and they have their own opinions but they're always willing to listen to everyone i think you pro probably the only thing is you have to accept just as, as steve does that you're not always uh going to get your own way you're not always going to have the 100 percent right opinion although of course steve's nearly always right <laughs> There's nothing more, more passionate, really, than a, a, an imaging fan in, in the smartphone world. I think we've discovered every time we do any kind of imaging article, the, the comments just come in, and they're dozens and hundreds sometimes. And so it's good to see. It's good to see that that's something which I, I is close to my heart. That one of the, the major things in a smartphone is how the camera has to be a certain standard. And I'm fascinated by that. How how phone A might have a better camera than phone B. And I know that 99% of people on the street, they really don't care two hoots what takes their next Facebook photograph, but it matters to me. And it seems like it matters to many of our readers and listeners too, so that's good to see. Um, the Lumia 950, Rafe, has dropped below £400 the first time in the UK. We're talking UK prices, including VAT here, of course. 
Um, I, I've been monitoring things like Carphone Warehouse and also Amazon UK. Um, the Numi 950 is now was at 395, 950XL at, um, at 449. So it's come, they've, they've each come down about £100 since the very earliest RRPs. I think they still haven't come down to the, the prices we guessed when the devices were announced before the prices were announced, if you see what I mean. I still think that 950 could come down to, and would sit very nicely at 349 and the XL at 399 And at those prices, they'll be competitive enough, I reckon, Rafe, that even people who perhaps weren't too sure about Windows 10 Mobile would see the specs, would see the camera, and was to see continue and think, well, hang on a minute, that pr- this is £200 less than that Samsung Galaxy S7 or whatever, and they might actually give it a try. Yeah, I mean, with the caveat that we were probably a little bit optimistic at the time, and it was, it was more a case of that's what we thought they needed to do in order to kind of uh, do well in terms of the sales. And actually, Microsoft has been very quiet about the absolute number sold. And I suspect it's relatively few against the kind of tens of millions being sold by other manufacturers you know this will be hundreds of thousands you know maybe getting toward the million mark but yeah the 950 in particular at 350 kind of um you know coming down um 150 from where it was at kind of the launch time i think would be really great value i mean especially when you consider the quality of the camera in it the fact you've got you know quite a powerful process you've got plenty of memory and all of those things it adds up to a pretty nice specification for what would essentially be upper mid-tier pricing even at 400 pounds i actually think it's it's pretty good value because it's you know 100 to 150 off the the top end phones um that's probably f- fair given it's sort of just a bit of a step down um but from you know for most of the experiences you get with that phone you are getting something that now feels like great value for money the the 950 xl I'm a bit loath to pay that extra to get the bigger screen. Of course, it's got a slightly better processor. Doesn't feel like it will be great, such great value for money. But honestly, I've thought that about phablets for a while. You know, you do have to pay to get that extra screen real estate. And if you're like me and sort of in two minds or a little bit, you know, uh, mixed feelings about it, you sort of resent resent the extra cost involved. I mean, it's like the difference between in the Samsung world between something like the S6 and the Note 5 or between the iPhone 6 and the 6 Plus and all of those. Um, it, it's interesting. Those those prices now feel pretty good, but as you say, I, I think there's they they will come down a little bit more. Typically, we see them kind of reach the not the bottom end, but certainly by the six month mark, which we're still you know I guess two or three months away from. That's when you you know you see the biggest price drops happen. And after that, it tends to just be around kind of individual sales or you know when stock gets limited towards the end of a product life cycle. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, look out for that. I'll report again when the 950 gets to 350, and then I shall um, race <laughs> do a sort of stock market like bye, bye, bye. A headline, I think. Um, another headline from the week. This was a kind of a link of interest to a, a nice editorial written over in the, in, I think it was India, um, called Windows Phone, the Real Casualty of the Chinese Wave. And it was very eloquently talking about the fact that I think we're talking to some Indian resellers and retailers saying, look, uh, since the Chinese phones started coming, starting with, well, I guess the Moto, Moto E and Moto Jig, they're not quite Chinese in the same sense, but this, this, that was very quickly followed by the Huawei and Xiaomi, and with some incredibly um, well-priced handsets. With uh, Android three, two or three years ago was fairly fairly lacklustre, and the, the speed was, the, the, the early Windows phones would just run rings around them in terms of UI speed, but 
these modern uh, Xiaomi and Huawei phones in particular, they're, they're staggering specifications for the money. And his, his point, which I, I, th- I suspect you'll agree with, was that there's just no way that these um, Lumia 520s and the Lumia 630, good though they are and good value though they were, when you actually put them next to Android phones with that, that mass market ecosystem with higher specs and actually decent performance for the first time at the same price or nearly the same price, um, that, that really Windows phone, they just literally could not compete and that, that the Windows phone was one of the big casualties of this new wave of Chinese Android smartphones coming in. Yeah, I mean, I thought this was a really interesting editorial because the discussion doesn't always focus on the low end of the market, kind of for obvious reasons. Um, and obviously with the 950 and 950XL, the discussion has really been there on Windows Phone. But I think this is absolutely right. I mean, I would add a little bit more nuance to it in the sense that I think Windows Phone had an advantage and it worked well on the low end processors. And by doing that, it was able to kind of shift some of the you know balance of the equation when you're putting all the components together into other things and so maybe have a slightly better screen and some other specifications so next to the android devices less had to be spent on the processor proportion and more could be spent elsewhere and as a result it felt like a higher quality device overall but kind of moore's law being what it is that kind of processor advantage has somewhat been eroded because you can afford to put a better processor in an android device and it not really have a cost penalty anymore i mean there's also Android, I think, got better at running on the low-end devices, particularly with the advent of uh, kind of Lollipop and some of the optimizations that Google has made. And as a result, you know, we always said that Windows Phone stood out at the low end, and to a certain extent, it still does, and particularly when you kind of look at the upper end of the, the low end as well. But the Android devices have come on leaps and bounds, and so it's much easier to make a recommendation and, you know, um, we, we kind of saw it in some of the Western markets with devices like the Motorola E, for example, which I thought was a very good low-end Android device. Um, but there was still a bit of an advantage right at the very low end. And on some of the more recent Android devices I've tried, you know, the lag is there, but, I mean, you could argue it is on the lowest-end Windows phone devices as well. So, yeah, it, you yeah. know, it, it, it's come a long way. Um, we're going to be looking at the Lumia 550, which is kind of the new Windows 10 mobile low-end device, and see see how that stacks up. I suspect kind of that that advantage Microsoft had at the low end has gone away. And of course, for a market like India and and some of the other ones as well, that was a kind of key advantage. Now, there was also the fact that these Chinese brands have just established themselves better in the market. You know, people kind of the reputation of them has improved. And people have begun to understand that actually they're quite good. And I think for Xiaomi in particular, they've had a successful launch in India, for example. But you've also got the homegrown Indian brands as well have had the reputation come on. And, you know, Microsoft and the Lumia phones had the advantage of Nokia's rock solid reputation in India. And it's not that they squandered it. It's just that the rest of the competition is caught up. And so I think attitudes have changed. And, you know, that brand equity will only last so long and have they damaged it a bit maybe i mean some of the there's a big debate around all of that but i think it's actually more around the fact the brand equity of the competing devices come right up and so you know the savvy indian consumers have realized they're able to get a great deal by either one of the homegrown brands or indeed one of the uh, chinese brands so you know it's a good example of just how quickly the market can change and it it is something i think that's happened in the last 12 months 
Yeah, I've been testing the uh, Xiaomi Redmi Note 3 over the last couple of weeks. I've put a review of that up on the latest phone show. And it's a very similar form factor and specification to the 950XL in many ways. It feels the same sort of... Um, it feels the same in the hand in terms of interface speed and flexibility, uh, applications. Obviously, the ecosystems are different, but there really isn't that much to choose between them. Um, the camera is the one single differentiator, really. But then the, the Xiaomi Redmi Note 3 was, works out about £130 or so. Uh, delivered deliver to your door if you if you play a card right you know get caught by customs in the UK um, whereas the 950XL is still this 450 yeah. or so there's a massive price gap now the the Xiaomi stuff you have to kind of buy it carefully from the right importers who put the right firmware on with the Google Play services is a whole complicated Chinese Android thing just don't go there but that to have a device that's in the hand feels similar in spec to a device that's three times the price is, is quite stunning, really. And it's, again, another reason why that 950XL price just needs to come down a bit just to balance that equation, just in my opinion. Yeah, no, I, I think you're right. And of course, Xiaomi has actually formally launched into some markets. We're kind of in, a, as you say, it's grey imports, where if you look at India and some of the other Asian markets, Xiaomi actually has an official presence now. Uh, it's interesting, this is a topic that we talked about in an upcoming 361 podcast and just give a bit of a plug and actually plug for the phone show chat which you can go and find all about on stevelitfield.com. And, you know, so do go and do that because it's a, a great <laughs> show. Because Steve wouldn't say so himself, but we actually were sort of talking about the argument that in the smartphone world we're effectively post-hardware. And it was said sort of tongue-in-cheek, but actually what is definitely true is that gradient and that differentiation between a high-end and a low-end device feels like it's got a, le- a lot shallower, or at least the you know improvements you get from going up the specification curve you know, it's diminishing returns now. And actually the mid-tier device is capable of doing pretty much everything that the high-end device is. And even the low-end, it's, it's very capable. There's still some quality differences. And I think uh, camera is one of those. You also get it on, on the readability or the quality of the screen. But, you know, in terms of actual experiences or functionality that you can do, such a small difference compared to what they used to be between a £500 and a £100 phone. You know, it used to be that it was really worth spending that extra. Now yeah. it becomes, I think, more more difficult to justify. Now there is the fashion argument and kind of the materials argument. But even so, I you know, actually, um, the, the sensible thing now is to buy a mid-tier device, in my, my opinion, if you're looking to maximise your value for money. Yeah, yeah, and things like the Lumia 830 a couple of years ago. And, of course, there have been rumours of a Lumia 850, which we haven't had corroborated. Some people say it's been cancelled, but uh, from some of the leaks I've heard, I've been looking at, I just saw a, a little birdie in the back of my mind is just tweeting away that uh, maybe the 850 will see the light of day after all. Who Watch this space. I mean, it'll be a couple of months, I suspect, at least. These, uh, the 650 is more or less a shoe-in for MWC, so watch out for news on that one. Um, we do have time for a reader's letter, Ray, before Excellent. we finish. Yes, Stuart Cutts has written in. He says, how about the application gap, guys? A curated list of applications Windows 10 needs to get in 2016 to help bridge the gap. I assume he's talking about Windows 10 Mobile specifically as AAWP. He says, ask people which applications they need or want in 2016 and which ones they think Windows 10 Mobile needs to make a success of this universal application approach. For example, he said, for me, it would be my banks nationwide, HSBC in the UK, my credit card, Barclay card. Uh, Amazon Prime Music and the Intercontinental Hotel 
group application, which are all good examples of the applications which the platform kind of needs. So far, says Stuart, I haven't seen any real improvement in the availability of applications with Windows 10 and Windows 10 Mobile. I appreciate its early days. And also, as I said, I don't use many applications myself, so others closer to the bleeding edge, such as yourself, will have a much greater insight. Well, we have seen loads of universal Windows 10 applications come out just before Christmas, um, since this letter was sent in. That there is a, a way to go, and it's, I think, Rafe, there has been some kind of drop-off over Christmas. I, I wrote a whole editorial about how Microsoft's own um, inertia with developing the OSs took a sort of two- or three-week break and <laughs> for the festive season, which is fair enough, but it's kind of unfortunate in the grand scheme of things. And I think that also applies for developers and um, working on projects and getting those projects tested and then released. I think there has been a, a gap over Christmas. But and just in the last few days, we've seen another couple of uh, really high-profile Windows 10 universal applications come on song. So I think by the end of January, we should have another... 10 to 15 or so fairly major names uh, as UWPs, and um, maybe that will make Stuart happy, at least some of them. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure he'll maybe get any of the ones he particularly requests. I mean, I would also love to see uh, Amazon Prime Music and BioCard. Uh, BioCard is actually an interesting one because there's just been a version out on Android that allows you to use your Android phone via NFC as kind of your contactless payment for without the card being present. It does that through host card emulation. And while in theory you could do that uh, on Windows 10 Mobile, I, I'd be very surprised to see that that happen. And it does tend to be what I might call these second tier of applications, which are either specific to one country or they're specific to kind of a, a service rather than these big global apps like Facebook, which I think have been very good in being converted over to um, universal Windows apps. It, it I think there's always going to be a gap and it feels like the problem will become more acute because of the way that... Microsoft is treating Windows 10 Mobile having kind of stepped away from making it a uh, mass market is perhaps the wrong word, but a, a full offering across the landscape or whole portfolio of devices. That's sort of obviously offset by the fact universal apps will run across the tablets, the desktop, the laptops and everything else if they're, they're written properly. And it certainly makes it a little bit easier for companies to justify an investment decision. But um, I think that's one thing. And yes, we'll absolutely see more of those. It will always remain the third platform, though, for the you know uh, a foreseeable future, if not beyond. Um, simply because if you're a company, you are going to do iOS first or Android first, and then you'll do whichever one you haven't done, and then maybe you'll do Windows. And it, it, it's disappointing, but I think think that's the uh, reality in in 2016. And frankly, it's been like that for a while. Um, so it's something I think you need to go in with your eyes wide open if you're going to go for a. A Windows device. You know that said, I'm quite happy to continue to use uh, a Windows 10 mobile device as my my personal device. Um, I am in the fortunate position that I typically also am carrying either an iOS and an Android device most of the time as well, and so it, it tends to be less of a problem for me. And um, actually, much like Stuart, I'm not sort of app obsessed. You know, I will check out the new ones as you know, part of the preparation for the podcast, and you know, because like to keep up to date with things, but. Um, in terms of typical usage, actually, it's, you know, relatively small number of apps. And I do sometimes feel the pain of, of, of missing things. You know, the latest apps are still still really Android and iOS focused, particularly when you think about some of the on-demand delivery services in London. So Amazon Prime now being a good example of that, but also some of the uh, fast food delivery services, you, know, you can only do those on iOS and Android devices. You know, 
if you come from those platforms, I think the problem is more acute because you feel like you're missing out on them. If you've been on Windows for a while, perhaps you're kind of less aware of them and you miss them less consequently. Um, but uh, speaking candidly and personally, actually now I probably do carry a, a second device around partly to get access to the apps. And that's just the reality at the moment. It's tempting to say, well, of course, I don't, I don't do online banking and uh, uh, <laughs> prime music listening on my smartphone and hotel group booking on my smartphone, but that's because they, there isn't an application for this platform. So it's a chicken and egg thing, isn't it? Uh, I suspect it if these things were there, I mean, I use the nationwide for my banking, and yes, if there was a full nationwide application that was completely seamless and remembered all my details and just required, for example, a PIN or, or a hello authentication, then I think I probably would use it. So maybe, uh, maybe I'm with Stuart on this one. But uh, as you say, I doubt any of those ones just he's just mentioned will actually arrive before the end of January. But there are plenty of other universal Windows applications coming on song. We're all waiting for TuneIn, of course, as very one of the bigger names in internet uh, streaming music has uh, is promised a, a UWP, and that that's that's long overdue. I'm still waiting. MetroTube is um, one the, the, the biggest YouTube client for Windows Phone, and that's still to be up updated to work properly with windows 10 mobile um and netflix even netflix is looking fairly primitive and they've promised a uwp and that was before christmas and that still hasn't arrived so things are happening i guess we just have to resign ourselves to being patient once again rafe but um, yeah <laughs> we're at the end of the podcast i think i've got a bit of a cold so i'm gonna go off and have some lemon sit rafe is going to have a a well-deserved rest after a busy week after a, a being horribly jet-lagged last week <laughs> so i shall say goodbye and let rafe sign off yeah, thank you everybody as ever for listening. We always welcome listener questions and any feedback you may have. You can reach me at Rafe and all about Windows Phone and the usual social media address as well. Please keep leaving your comments on the website on the feature articles and the editorials. We love reading them. And don't forget to tune in next week to the All About Windows Phone Insight Podcast.